something that Albin and Mary, can you believe this? After 17 years of knowing brother and sister Sorum, I just learned yesterday, he does not want to be called Al. His name is Albin. Now, for a hundred years now in our church, we've been calling him Al. And I said, Al, I said, Albin, you should have just spoke up and said you prefer to be called Albin, not Al. It wouldn't have hurt my feelings. I would have called you Albin for 17 years. Back home in Holly, they all call him Albin. Down here, for some reason, and um, somebody told me it's because when Marion first brought him home, she introduced him as Al, and it stuck. Well, I told Albin, don't be so shy next time. So, praise the Lord. So he likes being called Albin. So I just learned that about him. But you might be going some, through something that Albin and Marion, but you know God is good. He is there for you. He will give you. His mercy is new every morning. And the song goes on. That's from the Bible. And then the song goes on. Great is his faithfulness. His mercies are new. And he will give joy. He will give you um, peace. He will give you comfort by his Holy Spirit. If we just keep our hearts and mind in Jesus, he will do that for us. Amen? And we can get through it. And so keep them in prayer. Um, and those who've been taking food over to um, the Sorum's house, I thank you for that. It's been wonderful. Um, we're getting them something special from Lorraine and I um, so that they can go out and have a, something, a time that they need, just the three of them. And so uh, if they want to, Alan might decide to say, Mark, you're staying home. You know, you, wa you watch Molly, we're going out. So um, <laughs> praise God. And so we have a treat today. Usually I get up here and I got my Bible and all my stuff. And you notice I came up here and he's, oh, he's really going to preach in the Holy Ghost today. He didn't bring nothing up there. Well, I do need my Bible. But it's sitting over there. We have a treat today. Joanne, the Reverend. Joanne Cianci. We love her so much. She was supposed to preach for us um, in September, and she couldn't come then. And so as soon as I could get around the schedule, um, I did it. And she's here. And, um, you know, we've had a lot of changes since you were here last. I mean, the parking lot looks good. The building... Looks wonderful on the outside. We actually have now forced air heat on the other side, and we don't have to use no electric heat no more. Amen. Praise the Lord. And we have installed Corey as our worship leader. Yeah, I know she's hiding. She's always hiding. Anyway, all these changes. But the one constant that we have is Jesus Christ. Amen. And he is our constant. And we just want to praise him. But we're so glad that you are here. Um, for those who don't know, Joanne was on staff here at the church for many a year. And before that, she was, she, uh, was the pastor's wife for some years. And so she's been a fixture. Well, I don't want to say fixture. That sounds like you're this 
Sounds like you're the mic stand here. <laughs> you know, but you have been somebody we have loved for a long time. That's okay. And so... I can be a fixture. That's fine. We, we are so glad. And you know what? I said to Lorraine, I said, I want to steal her back from Fargo. <laughs> but Tommy won't let me. Neither will Bobby. Well, Bobby might put, let me have her, loan her to me again, but Tommy won't let her move back. You know, she, he won't let me well, steal her back. I, you know what I had to do to get him here this morning? I had to go to his house, go to McDonald's, and buy him breakfast. He's not stupid. No, he's not. <laughs> no, he's not. He knew. I know. I, want, I haven't had a... McDonald's breakfast for a long time. I know. I'll tell mom if you want me to go with you. He would have came anyway. But I, if you want me to, I know him. He loves coming. But I, I know. I'll tell mom. You have to get me breakfast, and I'll come. Right. And they McDonald's and Fargo has two sausage burritos for three eighty three eighty four. Ooh. Yes. You're making me hungry. And then he still had to get some more to eat. Wow. Well, he's, he's a healthy growing boy. He's got two hollow legs. <laughs> well, we're so glad you're home with us today. And we know Pastor Forrest tells me she is, she is and what we have found, she's the best kept secret. She, he told this to our bishop. She is the best kept secret in the North Central region. And he says, there's no way. Not only would I have to fight Tommy for you, arm wrestle Bobby for you, but I would have to, well, I know I'm his district overseer, but he's still. You have to be nice. Yeah. I mean, he's told me I can't have you back ever. Why well, so, come back to visit? That's right. So she is helping, she is helping Pastor Force. We, I tell Pastor Force, we gave her to you to be a help. And um, because we didn't want to lose her. Of course, we knew Tommy was going to come down here and take her away from us anyway. But you but, know I still work here, too. That's right. Yes, I still work here some days. But I'll tell you what, and I know we're going on, but this is old home week. I mean, this, <laughs> this is so much fun. We're not going to, you know, it, we don't get to do this too often. But it's so good to have her home. But she is being such a blessing to Real Church. Please be praying with her for Real Church and Pastor Forrest and his family. Um, Joanne is, is, she's got a home group going um, with the church, another singles group, believe it or not, and she's reaching 13 people. 13 ladies. 13 ladies. Think about well, including that. Including myself. And <laughs> Real Church is going to be having church at 4 o'clock in the afternoons. Um, they're moving from their apartment into their townhouse, and that's a miracle. And they're in a better location, better parking, better everything. Plus Nobody and he got a job. And he got a job working job. as the maintenance guy for all those units around him. And so they took so much off of his rent, and they pay him as... $300 off his rent. And what a blessing. $16 an hour. This is, this is an answer to my prayer, and I am so proud of Pastor Forrest and Pastor Joanne for what they're doing in Fargo. And it is just wonderful. And the response of some of the people that Pastor Forrest has been meeting to the after, late afternoon church service has been terrific. And so we're, we're believing for great things there, that they're going to outgrow that house 
in no time. Amen. Amen. Well, I'm going to get out of the way because Joanne came here with an actual word for us. Are you ready? Are you? Did you come hungry for the word? I'll feed you later food, but this is the food. This is the food right here that you need to eat. You do know that. Well, you get it's, both. You yeah. Get both here. Today. Ezekiel says this is sweeter than honey. Amen. Amen. Sweeter than honey. That's what Amen. Ezekiel said. All right. Thank you, Pastor. Can you everybody hear me? Because I'm wired today. I'm wired. And um, the last time I was here, Pastor and Lorraine were away, and there was just um, a handful of us here. And um, and I shared something, and I shared it from my heart. I may I may be living in Fargo, you know, and it's it's been over a year since I left. Actually, about a year and a uh, year and a half, but my heart is still here. My heart is still here, yeah. and um, and God in His mercy and His sovereignty, um, I shared with them, and I meant it from my heart. Um, this is the first church that I've had to leave, and that God allowed me to come back. He allowed me to come back to this town to work. And um, I really enjoy working there. And, uh, and the hours were um, a miracle in itself. I can choose the hours that I want. And um, God has allowed me to come back and uh, be in church with you. And God has allowed me to keep my best friend sitting in the back row. And my, um, my precious joy that I, I mentored for years while I was here, um, I'm still allowed to keep her as a friend and Marjorie, um, keep them in my life. Um, and he has, been, he has been a good God to me. He, is, he has blessed me over and above what I'm worthy of. And today I was going to, um, I was going to share with you out of the book of Esther, and we're gonna talk about the sovereignty of God the sovereignty of God, okay? And um, my text, uh, part of my text today is in 1 Thessalonians 5.24, and it says, faithful, faithful is he that calleth you, who will also do it. 1 Thessalonians 5.24. And now we will pray. Heavenly Father, we come to you in the most holy, precious name of Jesus, that Jesus that died for us on the cross, Jesus that changed our lives if we allow him, Jesus that, that has blessed us with another life, blessed us for a plan to go to heaven, blessed us with power from on high, because your word says that every victory belongs to you, Lord Jesus. And we thank you, Lord, for today. We thank you, Lord, that we have a place to worship. We thank you, Lord, for the sound system, in spite of itself. We thank you, Lord, that we are in America, that our feet are still on free ground. And Lord, I ask that everything that I say and done is according to your word. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. And now I really have to behave myself because Bobby decided he's going to video me. Okay. <laughs> Um, we're going to turn to Esther. 
Um, this is kind of in two parts, Esther chapter 4 that goes into chapter 5, and then I'm going to come back and we'll talk about Esther chapter 7, 1 through 6. And Esther chapter 4 uh, starts with 14 and goes to 17, and then we're going to go into Esther chapter 5, 1 through 8. For if you remain completely silent, this is Mordecai, um, her uncle, that's talking to her. And he tells Esther, For if you remain completely silent at this time, relief and deliverance will arise for the Jews from another place. But you and your father's house will perish. You, yet who knows whether you have come to the kingdom for such a time as this. Then Esther told them to return this answer to Mordecai. Go and gather all the Jews who are present in Shusham and fast for me. Neither eat nor drink for three days, night or day. My maids and I will fast likewise, and, and so I will go to the king, which is against the law. And if I perish, I perish. Then Mordecai went his way and did according to all that Esther commanded him. And then we're going to chapter 5, verse 1. Now it happened on the third day that Esther put on her royal robes and stood in the inner court of the king's palace, across from the king's house, while the king sat on his royal throne in the royal house facing the entrance of the house. And so it was, when the king saw Queen Esther standing in the court, that she found favor in his sight. And the king held out to Esther the golden scepter that was in his hand. And Esther went near and touched the top of the scepter. And the king said to her, What do you wish, Queen Esther? And what is your request? And it shall be given to you up to half of my kingdom. So Esther answered, If it pleases the king, let the king and Haman come today to the banquet that I have prepared for him. And the king said, Bring Haman quickly, that he may do as Esther has said. So the king and Haman went to the banquet that Esther had prepared. And at the banquet of wine, the king said to Esther, What is your petition? It shall be granted to you. What is your request? Up to half of my kingdom it shall be done. And Esther answered and said, My petition and request is this. If I have found favor, favor in the sight of the king, and if it pleases the king to grant my petition and fulfill my request, then let the king and Haman come to the banquet which I have prepared for them, and tomorrow I will do as the king has said. I'm going to take this in two parts today. Um, and we're looking at Esther 4, 4 through 17, and we see, we see the beginning of Esther having, um, this, is, this is a, what I'm going to call a now what time. A now what. And we've all had those now what times that uh, come to us and we don't want them. We don't want anything to do with them. They're now what's in our lives where it feels like the, the bottom just fell out. 
the floor between, underneath our feet just fell out. And we're just hanging there in midair and wondering what's going to happen to us. And this is what happened to Esther. This is what happened to Esther. This is her now what in life. And Mordecai is, in verse 14, Mordecai is, um, Mordecai is putting her feet back on the ground and telling her, Esther, this is what you need to do. Esther, you cannot remain quiet. You cannot remain silent. Even though you are queen in this land, you cannot remain silent. Because who knows, who knows, if this is not your moment in time, to stand up for God and to stand up for what you believe, for you, what you know in your heart is right. And Esther at this time is doing what we all do. When we have a hard time, when we have a devastating thing happen in our lives, she is trying to reason out what to do. She is trying to reason out what to do. But Mordecai and I, as I used to say in science class, he is trying to lead her to the higher road, the higher ground, to take the high ground, the high road. And as Esther reasons what to do, she decides in verse 15 to return this answer to her uncle. She is not allowed to see him because she, is, she belongs to the, the harem of the king, and she, ha, she is in, uh, she's only allowed to go certain places and talk to certain people right now. So she says in 16, and um, to go and gather all the Jews and fast for me. But it also implies pray, pray for me. And that's what we, one of the things we need to do when we're, we're in a hard time, we're not to turn away, hopefully we won't turn away to our own self and our own uh, reasoning, that we will turn to God. She says to uh, gather all the Jews and to fast for me, neither eat nor drink for three days, night or day, and my maids and I will fast likewise. And so I will go to, to the king, which is against the law. And if I perish, I perish. So in her heart, beyond her reasoning, she has decided to turn her fate over to Lord God. She has decided to turn her fate over to God. And then 17, we see that Mordecai goes on his way and does according to what Esther had commanded him. And then we're going to go down to uh, uh, verse 1 in chapter 5. Now it happened on the third day that Esther decided to prepare herself to go and see the king. And we're looking at her fearlessness that they have prayed. Um, I'm going to say they did their homework. She did her homework. The, king, the Jews did their homework. They prayed and they fasted. And as far as I'm concerned, um, if you have prayed and, and if you have fasted, you've done all you can. And then the rest you have to leave up to God. 
And we have to remember in verse 1, no one was allowed to come to the king unless he had requested them. And the reason for that was so that um, he would, uh, they would be able to eliminate the possibility of someone trying to kill the king. And we had seen that before, that there had been a plot before this in the scriptures against the king. So this was the defense um, against assassination, that they, they, the only one that could come, or the only people that could come, were those that were summoned. And then we see the favor in verses 2 and 3. And it says, And so it was when the king saw the queen standing in the court that she found favor in his sight. And the king held out to Esther the golden scepter, so that meant she would not be killed. He had all power. And these kings, these kings that had all this power of life and death, sometimes it went to their head that they had that kind of power. And uh, verse 3, the king said to her, And what do you wish, Queen Esther? What is your request? And it shall be given to you up to, up to, up to half of my kingdom. Now, he really didn't mean he was going to give out half of his kingdom to... Um, they said this all the time. And you could only do that to two people and then your whole kingdom would be gone. Um, it, was a, it was a phrase to show how much favor you had with the king, okay? Because that was a lot... I, I don't know what his kingdom um, was at that time, but it was a lot and it was worth a lot of money, and he could only do that to two people. So um, this is just something they were saying that, you know, you have my favor, ask what you want. And so in verse 4, so Esther answered, if it pleases the king, let the king and Haman come today to a banquet that I have prepared for him. And then he, he follows through in the order, he says, bring Haman quickly, in verse 5, so Haman and the king went to the banquet that Esther had prepared. And the, they, have a, they have a great feast there, and they do a lot of drinking, and they get a little, um, they're not re reasonable sometimes after that. Uh, they were famous for doing a lot of drinking there, and then they'd make a decision, and then they'd make a an important decision. I don't think that was a good idea, but that's what they did. That was their custom. So, so we're looking at Queen Esther had come to a now what situation in her life. And we all know about them. That we don't want to go through them. We don't like them. The, the question of the most of most importance is what was Esther going to do? And we have that question in our, our lives sometimes. What are we going to do when the life crashes down around us? Who do we turn to? Do we acknowledge that God is in control? Queen Esther was a Jewish Jewess that was living in the palace. Most likely she would have been spared, but you know, even the king didn't know that she was Jewish. But as Mordecai had warned, the king might have easily turned against her too. And there was good reason for her to fear. There was good reason to, for her to fear 
about this king. This king was truly a wild man, a dangerous, impulsive king. This is what Esther had to deal with in coming to his presence. And then there is, there is a story about this king, how, how impulsive and how um, angry he could be. The story is that once upon a time in his reign, he built a bridge. He built a bridge that he, you know, he personally had ordered to be built, and a storm arose. And the storm, the storm destroyed the bridge, okay? He became so angry. This is the king. Remember, this is the king that Esther, Esther's life depends on, okay? He became so angry that he, gave, he ordered the sea be given 300 lashes. He ordered the sea. Now, anybody with any common sense would know the sea had, um, this wasn't going to hurt the sea. He also ordered, that was very sad, he ordered that all of the people that built the bridge be killed. This is the kind of uh, man he was, with no thought for life at all. And this is the king that Esther needed favor with for her and her people's lives. That were they, her and her people's lives were in his hands with the yes or no. And this is, this is what God did. This is what we see God doing here. And what is your, your desperate situation? What is your desperate situation? In Psalms 34, 8, it says, Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man that trusts in him. And you know what? Sometimes when we're going through a hard time, we have to make that decision to trust God. We have some work to do. We have to make a quality decision in our life to trust God sometimes when things get really rough and bad. We have to determine. We have to determine. We have to have a made-up mind that we will follow God. We will follow God. Isaiah 55, 3, Isaiah 55, 3 says, Incline your ear and come to me and hear, and your soul shall live. And I will make an everlasting covenant with you, the sure mercies of David. Again, God says we have to make a decision before God can move, okay? Because we have this free will, this thing called free will, to make up our mind. And he says, incline, listen to me, listen to me, and come to me. And here, these are a bunch of very important verbs that we need, need to um, put into action, okay? And your soul shall live, your soul shall live. You will not die, and I will make an everlasting covenant. A covenant is more than a promise, it is, pro it is a, Promise with action. There's action behind it, okay? This is um, a stronger commitment than a promise. There's, there's going to be some action and some power along with it. The sure mercies of David. The sure mercies of David. Isaiah 55, 6. Isaiah 55, 6 says, Seek 
the Lord, while he may be found. Now when we decide to look for him, the seek God while he may be found and call upon him while he is near. Call upon him while he is near. It's not about when we decide to look for God. It is about when he is near, we need to talk to him. And then I, was, I just want to remind you that in our hard times, as 1 Thessalonians 5.24 says, he is faithful that called you, called you, who will also do it. In our hard times, we need to pray, but we also need to determine that we will be faithful. We need to pray and determine in our hearts that we will be faithful. As a Christian, in our walk with God, there has to be some goals, okay? In life, we have some goals, don't we? we um, there are reasons why we go to work. We have some goals to go to work because we want to get a paycheck. Uh, we do things in life. Um, um, some of us, uh, the women in the congregation, we have, we have some girl goals in our life. We, um, as we grow up, um, a lot of the women, some don't, want to get married. They want to have children. Men want to have a family, perhaps. Want to have a good job. Want to um, reap some benefits from those, jo those jobs. Okay, spiritually speaking, we have to have goals too. We, ha we need goals in our life. We cannot stay in the same place, in the same position in our walk with God. And as a Christian, with our walk with God, there are goals. And one of those goals is to come to a place in faith that God is truly sovereign in our life. And what does that look like? With God being truly sovereign in our life. Sovereignty um, is an attribute of God. And God has many of them. God has many attributes, okay? But sovereignty is an attribute of God based on the premise that God as creator of the heavens and earth has absolute right and full authority to do or allow whatever he desires. He is absolute right, okay? And what that means to us as Christians as we walk that when we acknowledge that he has absolute right and full authority, that means we need to turn over our rights and our authority to him. Easton's Bible Dictionary defines God's sovereignty as his absolute right to do all things according to his own good pleasure. And these things are important, so I'm going to re repeat this again. His absolute right to do all things according to his own good pleasure. And the Westminster Confession of Faith states, God from all eternity did, by the most wise and holy counsel of his own will, freely and unchangeably, ordained whatever comes to pass. 
And again, I'm going to repeat that. God from all eternity did, by the most wise and holy counsel of his own will, freely and unchangeably ordain whatever comes to pass. And again, that means that we, because we love God and we know that he is wise, wiser than we are ourselves, give over our rights and give over our decisions, give over our authority to live our life and give it over to God and make him sovereign. Church, God says that he will take you as his people. He will be your God. He becomes our sovereign, our king, and our savior. Becomes all those things, and yet, and yet, he becomes a friend, he becomes like a husband to the widow, a father to the, to the orphan, a companion. And because he is God, he can be all these things. He can be the sovereign, and yet he can still be our friend. Because he is God, he can be all these things. And I'm going to give you a quote from the Compact Guide to the Christian Life. And um, the quote should be up there. It's a quote. Although, there you go. Although a situation may be out of your control, it is never out of God's control. Although a situation may be out of your control, it is never out of God's control. He is the all-loving and all-powerful. Someday he will eradicate all evil from this world. Praise God. But it's just not happening right now. It's not, it's not happening right now. And if you, um, I don't know how old you are, but I'm, I'm past retirement, but I'm still working because God has blessed me with that. But this world is not the world that I grew up with. And actually, it's going backwards. It's going backwards. But God remains the same. He remains the same. He is the same that he was 100 years ago, 200 years ago. He is the same today. 300 years from now, he will still be the same. He will still be the same. And there lies part of our hope. Okay, this world may change. People that we love may change. They may not be there for us. The job might not be there for us. People at work may change, but our God doesn't change. Our God doesn't change. And there is part of our hope that we can go on. He will eradicate all evil from this world. And like I said, it hasn't happened yet, but it will. Until then, even when we feel helpless and confused about why God is allowing something, we can pray. We can pray. You know, we can pray for those people that say, don't pray for us, because they don't know that we're praying, right? There you go. Right. We can pray for the ones that don't want us to pray for them, 
Because you know what? God will do something anyway. And, you know, wherever they are, they don't have the wisdom to know. Okay? But anyhow, we can pray and not lose heart. Because Luke 18, 1 through 8, and I know that's an up there, um, it's, it talks about the widow, this poor woman in a society where she couldn't even go to work. She was dependent on other people to provide for us. One to the judge over and over and over and over again. And I don't know if this judge, now this is my personal opinion, but I don't know if this judge knew God because he didn't pay attention to her. But you know what? He, God worked on him anyway. He did. God worked on him anyway, amen, and he gave in to that poor little widow woman, okay? And that was Jesus' example to us to continue to be faithful in prayer, to continue to be faithful in prayer. Because, you know, sometimes we want a situation to change, and prayer does, does a boomerang. It changes us. It changes us. And we need to be changed sometimes. But you know what? Sometimes we don't want to be changed, do we? Jesus knows better, though. God knows better what is better for us than we know ourselves, right? Because he is the creator. Okay, so um, knowing that God will take into account our persistent, persistent and trusting prayers, he will. He will listen. If we are walking right before God, if our hearts are right before God, what does scripture say? The prayers of a righteous man availeth much, availeth much with God. David in his old age said in Psalms 71, 14 through 16, Psalms 71, 14 through 16, but as for me, I will always, I'll always have what? I will always have hope. I was always, I will always have hope. I will praise you more and more. And my mouth will tell of your righteousness, of your salvation all the day long. And though I know not its measure, I will come and proclaim your mighty acts, O sovereign Lord. Okay? He says... There's a sermon right there. He says, I will always have hope. No matter what happens, and some really um, hard things happen to David, okay, some really hard things, I will always have hope. And he says, I will praise you more and more. I will make a conscious decision to praise you. And if that don't work, I'm going to praise you more. I'm going to praise you more and more. And my mouth will tell of your righteousness, of your salvation. Not sometimes, but all day long, my mouth will tell of your salvation. And though I don't know all of it, because the verse says this, I don't know all of it, I will come and proclaim your mighty acts. O sovereign Lord, because he couldn't know all of it. But he's going to say, he's going to tell of what God can do. Isaiah 40.10 says, 
Isaiah 40:10, see the sovereign Lord comes with power and his arm rules for him and see his reward is with him and his recompense accompanies him. God has to, we have to come to this place in our life where as we travel, walking with God, that he is sovereign in our lives. That he has full control of our life. 2 Samuel 7, says, How great you are, O sovereign Lord. There is no one like you, and there is no God but you, as we have heard with our own ears. How great you are. 2 Samuel 7, 22. And I, I need some music now. <laughs> There's a song called, and I, I'm sure a lot of you have heard it, it's called The Chain Breaker. The Chain Breaker. And it talks about, it talks about that who Jesus is. It describes Jesus as, as the way maker, the pain taker, the prison shaking savior. And Jesus is the waymaker. If we will only decide in our hearts that we're not going to go the way we want to go anymore, we're going to go the Lord's way. There is a price that Jesus paid on the cross, and he didn't do it to do things halfway in our lives. And God knows, you know what? God knows that we can't serve two. We can't do, we can't do what we want to do in our lives and, and try to say that we belong to God. He knows that because he created us and he knows that we can't do both things. We can't do both things. We're going to get sold out to one or sold out to the other. And Jesus is that way maker. Jesus is that pain taker that's down in your heart. He's the only one that can take that pain, that meet that pain. And he is that prison-shaking Savior. And you know what? The ironic part of this is some of those prisons that we put ourselves in are of our own making. They're of our own making. And Jesus died on the cross for that. And the end of that song says, if somebody believes this, somebody testify. And this morning, I'm here to testify of God's un unchanging steadfastness in our lives. If we, if we look to them, Him and see Him, He's unchangeable and He's steadfast. As I said before, 200 years ago, today, or 300 years from tomorrow, God will, we won't even be here, but God will, and he will remain the same. He will remain the same. And I testify today of his love, that there isn't another love like it in the whole world. It takes each one of us, takes each one of us. It would be a struggle for us to uh, continue to love and, and care for and have a heart for somebody that does us wrong every day. It would be a struggle for us to decide 
to die for somebody like that. But it wasn't a struggle for God because he has that kind of pure, pristine love. Now I testify today of what, a, of what he did on the cross for us, what Jesus did for us. For not the good in us, none of the good in us, but for the bad in us that he loved us. Colossians 2.9 says, for in, him, for in him was the fullness, was the fullness of the Godhead bodily. And we are, we are complete in him. We are complete in him. Pay attention to that. We are complete in him. Who is the head of all principality and power? There isn't anyone else on earth that has that kind of power like Jesus. And we are completing him. We don't need, we, you know what? We don't need another friend. We don't need another car. It's nice to have those things. We don't need a person to fulfill our, our um, happiness. That verse says that we are complete in Christ. We are complete in the anointed one. There is a, there is a quote from Harry Ironside that says, Christ is the substitute for everything. Christ is the substitute for everything, but nothing is the substitute for Christ. Nothing is the substitute for Christ. And with that, I am closing, and I am going to ask, does anybody need prayer this morning? Does anybody need prayer this morning? Would you like to come up here and we'll pray for you? How can I, how can I pray for you? Okay.